Faratelia steadying himself! A star in the making. And there's the only goal! Sabini with it! After 11 years, once again, Milan are the champions of Italy. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Syria Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index for your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this uh, Champions League Tuesday? Well, I'm pouring myself a cold one. All uh, right. Celebration of Milan winning big at Dinamo Zagreb, which we said would happen here at the Serie A sit down. Yes. Thanks to Apex and Chelsea for uh, winning today as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, doing exactly the way we thought this would get mapped out. Now they're in control of their destiny. Draw Salzburg. And they go through also uh, maybe could be I, I don't like wasting a good beer, but some people like doing that where they pour a little on the ground for my this is for Juventus is Champions League campaign. Just my imaginary beer that I'm spilling on the ground for them. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Keep it imaginary. We don't want to waste a good beer on them. No, you never want to waste a good beer, especially Spotted Cow. Yeah. Ne- yeah. Nectar of the gods, baby. <laughs> uh, incredible reaction from uh, from the chat on Sunday and then also uh, from those out in Calcio Twitter with our signing of Alex Donnell. Um, we're excited to have him on, but as his contract stipulates, he gets to work a day and then he gets to take vacation. This He's is Miami why we hate Juan These Miami guys, I tell you. <laughs> These Richard. Miami guys, always on vacation. Yeah, just, oh. you know, is it not enough that you get like 80 degree weather all the time and beaches and palm trees and stuff oh. while we're up here in the north? It's raining and 50 up here where I am. But I digress. So <laughs> I digress. Uh, um, anyway, we have a lot to unpack yeah. here on City of Sit Down. There were great games, obviously, over the weekend. We're going to give that their special segment, three of them, in fact. Um, we're going to look at the rest of Match Week 11, break down what we saw, what we thought, talk about some players here that we've been talking about for a while and they keep turning up. And if you're just coming around to saying, Hey, that guy's pretty good. Well, you should have been listening to us all along because we're the ones that tell you when they're good before they start to blow up. So Pasquale Mazzocchi first and foremost. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's dive into Europe here first, Richard. Um, Milan, very impressive at Dinamo Zagreb. And we had a feeling that they could do this. Um, Pioli smartly rotates in the in the Monza game to have them prepared to play this game. We thought that Zagreb's two previous home games in this league stage was kind of a smoke and mirrors thing. Yeah, they beat Chelsea, but they beat a Chelsea that that ended up being Tuchel's last game, and we learned that Chelsea practically quit on Tuchel. Um, and then um, you know Ryan Sterling in particular. I I've never seen a player play so greedy. Uh, you know, then the rhyme Sterling played in that game. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Potter's obviously turned that around a little bit, but then the Salzburg game ending in a draw, which made you think this really isn't that something that we have to get overly concerned about. And Milan can go there and get the job done. And the one thing that we did say when we looked at this game was 
Zagreb don't have a single player there that can keep pace with Rafael Rafael Leao today. And what did Rafael did Rafael Leao did do today? He took them to the fucking races, yeah. um, as he's been doing with a lot of teams. <laughs> he's been doing with a lot of defenders this year. Yeah. But uh, talk about what you observed from Milan's thrashing of Dinamo Zagreb. I wanted to see what kind of intensity they were going to bring. Um, we saw the two games at Chelsea and that had to sting them, though they know that those results were going to impact them in the long run. It would have mattered was what to do against Zagreb, what to do against Salzburg, um, and what team would show up. What the, Depending on what we saw is where we're going to get a good indication of, is this Milan ready for the next round? Uh, and they went to Zagreb, a team that hasn't lost at home in 31 matches, uh, 18 months or something crazy like that. And uh, it started out a little tight. I mean, there's obviously some guys like Petkovic and, and Orsic you got to worry about. But Milan, you know, they had a bunch of backups in there and they they did the job. They were, I'm not going to say dominant, but they were, they were, they clinical. They did what they had to do. There was very professional win by them. And they did the job. That's all they had to do. And that's what they did. They weren't too flashy or too crazy. Obviously having Liao helps, right? Rebic, I thought was pretty good as well. Um, but yeah. Good performance all the way around, and uh, yeah, a, a nice thrashing um, of Dynamo Zagreb, who who are difficult at home at times. But in this game, they made him. I forget who made the commentary. Um, maybe it was Score FC, Score FC that said that Zagreb looked like they hadn't won in 31 games. That's how bad mm-hmm. Milan beat them. So impressive yeah. win by Milan, and now everything's in control, like they said. They just got to get a result, a draw against uh, Salzburg at the at the least, and then they're through, which is what all they want is to go through. Exactly. Um, had to be happy for the boy, Matteo Gabbia, who I, I think has been yeah. like under the radar playing pretty well, uh, you know, in relief and having to step in and, and do some spot duty at the center back position. So nice to see him open the scoring and, yeah. and get himself in a position there on, the, on a great ball by Tonali. Um, yeah, Giroud scoring the penalty, and I believe the last goal was an own goal. Um, yeah. you know, and then at that point, uh, Pioli could call off the dogs. It was like Giroud, Leao, and Teo Hernandez all off at once. I mean, the Kekalari came off in like the 50th minute, you know. Yep, I actually had a beautiful DraftKings build going, uh, for Champions League. I had Leao, Mbappe, Messi, and Giroud. Not bad, but Not bad. I had Chesney in goal, <laughs> so can't get them all right. That didn't work out particularly well. I had a feeling I sat there and I said, well, you know what? Um, they're going to have Gatti and Bonucci back there. So Benfica's going to get off some shots and maybe Chesney stands on his head. And that's what I went for. But I should have reminded myself that's Bonucci and Gatti back there. This the, 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 Those two selections alone should be enough to get... They were. What's that? They are who we thought they were. You yes, know. they are who we th- In the words of the late, great Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. And uh, that did not go well. Uh, well, it went. I, I still made still made some money on that lineup. I just my upward mobility was curbed because of Chesney having a negative score because he yeah. gave up more goals than he saved. Um, but we saw Bonucci and Gatti in that starting team and thought this is not going to go well with what Benfica offered going forward. It did not go well. Uh, he. Benfica ran out to a 4-1 lead. Juve does come back through Milik and then through McKenney mm-hmm. uh, to make it 4-3 and make it reasonably interesting. But at the end of the day, Benfica win. We thought Benfica would win this game. Um, and Juventus subsequently are out of Champions League contention 
uh, with one group game remaining, uh, have a goal difference advantage over Maccabi Haifa uh, as far as the Europa League place. Um, they finish up with PSG on match day six. I mean, there's no sugarcoating this with Juventus. It's Juventus, and on brand name, this is an abject failure. Um, but this entire this entire group stage campaign with Juventus has just been disgusting. Um, your thoughts on it? I mean, uh, another disappointing performance from them. Tried to get something out of it there late in the game, but you know, too little, too late. Uh, just a just a very, very disappointing uh, five game stretch for the old lady. And right now, look to be the one Italian team out of the four that's not going to go through. Yeah. Um, it's been very disappointing just as a Serie A fan to see Juventus do this badly. You know, we looked at the at the groups coming into this and we said, oh, they should get through, but, you know, Benfica is dangerous. Um, little did they know Maccabi Haifa was dangerous, even though we we mentioned that. Um, it's extremely disappointing. It's it's It goes back to, is Allegri hiring him to come back the right move? And it looks like no and no every, every week, every game. Um, yeah, it's kind of corrected it in Syria, right? But in Champions League, they look out of their element. Um, and yeah, I mean, they need to—they're in Europa League, and that's not what they wanted. But they need to be careful here because if they throw in the books here against PSG, PSG can score seven goals, and the goal difference is only six at the moment, right? So yep. you embarrass yourself in front of PSG. Not only you're kissing Europa League goodbye, you're kissing everything goodbye. And if Allegri isn't out by then, he will be after that game. So yep. um, I'll line out characteristically why this game was a disaster waiting to happen. Benucci okay. and Gatti aside, look at these midfields, okay? You know, and let's take away McKenney, Locatelli, Rabio. Okay, that works against Empoli. Yes. Okay, that does not work against Benfica. Three of the same guy. In the Champions League, in mid in your midfield, doesn't work. Doesn't work. You gotta have a mix. Look at Benfica. Enzo Fernandez does a little bit of everything, and he also takes set pieces. Florentino Luis was the kind was the stopper. Made a you know won a couple balls. Uh, didn't get himself into too much trouble. Um, and then you've got the blend of talent. Joao Mario does seems to be doing everything for them. Rafa Silva scoring twice. Uh, you know, just dynamic and guys like Luis and Enzo Fernandez gives him an opportunity to have some freedom going forward. And then this uh, uh, Frednick Ars- uh, it's Arsnes, is my pronouncing it right? Sounds good. Uh, another guy that's got a that's got a blend of everything, incredibly combative and and all of this other stuff. Now, I just explained a bunch of different characteristics within the midfield of, of, of Benfica. I look at McKenny, Locatelli, Rabio. They're the same guy. Yeah. You know, that can't that doesn't work in Europe. All right. Why has Napoli been so successful in the group stages? Because they're not playing the same guys in midfield. Lobotka is a stopper, can do some deep lying playmaking. Zielinski is the attacking midfielder. Um, and then I can't remember who the you know who the third man is out of that group they've you know that they generally start. I'm sorry, oh, Angisa. You know, another another stopper and then another guy that will at times get in get into the penalty area. Juventus doesn't have any midfield stoppers. Yeah. Okay. You can't go to Lisbon 
with McKenney, Locatelli, and Rabio and ask them to protect a back three of Gatti, Bonucci, and Danilo. It's just setting yourself up for disaster. Suicidal. It is. It is. And you look at it right there, and Juventus's failure to mix up what they need characteristically in their midfield has shown up here in this Champions League group stage and has also, in, in, in spots, shown up in league. They can get away with it against someone like Empoli uh, or someone like Cremonese or somebody like that. You can't get away with that traveling to Lisbon playing Benfica. You can't nope. get away with that going to Paris playing PSG. Shit, you couldn't get away with it going to Israel playing Maccabi Haifa. Exactly. When's he just going to change this? He's stuck in his ways. He's stuck in his ways, and I, and I agree with Apex. The mentality of the their approach to this game was all wrong. I mean, you go into this game as as Apex says, cowardly. You know, you go in there trying to what lock up shop and hope you're not gonna you're not gonna allow any goals. Like you're going to Benfica, who can score goals at home. We've seen it. They can do it on the road. They can do it at home. They don't care. Uh, and the playing defensively, you, your team is not built to defend. It's this Allegri 2.0, it just can't defend. And go into mentality into the lion's den with a team that can score. It's just a yeah. recipe for disaster. They should have yeah. attacked from the beginning. Um, I guess a better lineup would have helped immensely, right? But they yeah. did not attack the game appropriately, and Benfica ate them up for it. And, you know, to you know, Benfica let off the gas a lot and allowed Juventus back into it. But, I mean, it should have been a 4-1, 5-1 game. It could have just been a blowout, up, a disaster. Had that scoreline remain, maybe Allegri's not even seen tomorrow, but... Um, I don't know. I know, I know Pavel Nedved right now is just screaming somewhere. No women in his sights. He's just get him out. And Agnelli is the guy you got to convince. I don't know if you can. Not at the cost. Part of the problem is is that it's the, 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 what it's going to cost to get rid of him. I mean, they keep they keep bringing that up over and over and over again. Yeah. They're kind of screwed. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. And we're going to talk about McKenney and Rabio's roles in the Empoli win when we talk about that game later. Okay. Um, if you put, if you found some kind of midfield stopper and put him in this Juventus team and put him in that front three and you played Locatelli to either side of that, I'm convinced, and this is a hot take, I'm convinced we could be talking about Manuel Locatelli as one of the best midfielders in this league. And one of Italy's best midfielders, if you gave him a role like that. But instead, you're asking him to be the center of this three where he doesn't have the license to follow the runners, to follow the forwards into the penalty area, to do some of those things, you know, where he excelled in it at Sassuolo. He showed signs of it when he was a younger player at Milan. Um, it's like Allegri saying, no, we need you centrally in front of the back three and you can't go that farther forward. And I think that is completely stunting his development. If you had a tackling central midfielder, a ball winning central midfielder, you, if you had an Angisa, okay, in that Juventus team, you could move Locatelli to one of those spots and you instantly make Locatelli a, a player that I think would be one of the best midfielders in this league. Sure. Because that's his role. That's what he's good at, and Allegri doesn't do that because when part of it is is because Allegri doesn't have a guy that can that can play that role. He doesn't have a tackling midfielder. In the preseason, going into the season, everyone was all high and mighty on Juventus, all the signings that they made, this and that. And I said, I'm not on the train because the one area no. concern, or one of the biggest area concerns that I had was the midfield is addressing it. Like you said, 
McKenny, Rabio, Locatelli, all the same players. There's no stopper there. There's no really playmaker there. Di Maria, but he's on the wing. Uh, Dybala's gone. They didn't address it. So everyone's yeah. all high and mighty and all these signings. I'm like, Paul Pogba's not going to do anything. I mean, right. all these guys you have, they're not going to do anything. Paredes, he could be, they could be the guy if he fits into it, but they don't have the right pieces. And yes, guys are hurt, I'm sure. But even if the guys weren't hurt, it would still be the same result. It's just right. poor tactics, poor setting up. Like you said, that three-man midfield could not cope. Bring yep. in Moretti, bring in whoever. You get somebody else a chance. It's just a uh, disaster class. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's not going to get any better. They got to get to January, and they got to get some kind of a stopping midfielder. Hell, get two. Yeah, you know, get one that you can play regularly, and one that you can bring in for spot duty. You know, I mean, it's you know that's the that's the glaring problem with this Juventus team. Probably wouldn't hurt them to add another defender too to their team. I mean, Leonardo Benucci's done. I mean, he's good for a good long ball, once every five games, and that's it. That's all you're going to get out of him. Um, you know, he's not what you see with Tiago Silva at Chelsea. Tiago Silva, I was thinking about this today. Tiago Silva had, I, th- I think what we're seeing with Tiago Silva in his career, and we're talking, I know we're talking about Chelsea a little bit, but I want to be quick about this. Apex will love you. Yeah, Apex will appreciate this. <laughs> Tiago Silva is now showing the benefits of having the opportunity to play next to Alessandro Nesta for those first handful of years when yeah. he was younger. Yeah. Okay. And being, you know, obviously lent, you know, bending an ear for Paolo Maldini whenever Maldini had something to say to him. And even Franco Beresi, who always hangs, who was always hanging around Milanello, you know, from time to time, still does. I think what you're seeing with Thiago Silva at this stage in his career is a, you know, by comparison with Leonardo Benucci, is a guy who has learned how to be a veteran defender and knows what his role is and know, um, you know, what his responsibilities are going to be and what he can and can't do on a pitch. Okay. Where it looks like Leonardo Benucci just for years has just never known where his starting points are, uh, never is aware of what's over his back shoulder as far as runs coming into the box, you know, and it doesn't see all those things. What Tiago Silva does everything that Leonardo Benucci just absolutely doesn't do, fails to do, refuses to do. I don't know what it is, but I'm just looking in, in comparing veteran defenders. That's what I see. It's Bonucci is an interesting character because when the B, when the BBC were together, right? Barzali, Bonucci, and Chiellini, they were one of the best you know, back trios, at least of that era. And it was a good reason. Chiellini is a monster. Berzali was really good with Juventus. And Bonucci didn't have to rely on the defensive aspect because he had those two guys to back him up. He could worry on the long game, and he was great at the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that combination of those three guys made a fantastic core. As those guys aged out and kind of sort of new bodies in there, the weaknesses started to come to, to the front. We saw that when he went to Milan right away. Automatically, he you could tell, well, he's off there. He's not that good. Goes back to Juventus and got a little bit better, right? You got Chiellini, you got some other guys there. Yeah. Uh, but as those guys aged out, he becomes a star or the centerpiece. And you're seeing, yeah, he's not that defensive stalwart we thought he was. He's a good complement, has an excellent passing game. I mean, his passing game is one of the best, we've, you know, around. But defensively, he's not that guy who's going to be the core of the back line and, and, and marshal it how you want it to be. Right. He needed that. That's why he was so good with the BBC. So it just... You have to move on, like you said. You have to move on and find some other guys. And having him with a young guy like Gatti uh, wasn't going to work well. And what that no. midfield is added to it. No. 
let's move on to tomorrow. I think I'm, you know, this, 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 this Juventus Champions League campaign is giving me agita and I don't even support them. <laughs> so, enter Pilsen, enter win, they're in, uh, lock up second in the group. Uh, Barcelona host Bayern. Um, you know, so my guess is that Barcelona don't get anything out of the game against Bayern, probably a draw, at which point you probably still want Inter, you just still want to put it, win to put it away. I think Inter has a three-point, was it a three-point cushion right now in that group? Um, uh, I believe so. Over, uh, yes, three points. It's three points. Okay, so. The goal difference yeah. is even at the moment, too. Yeah, I mean, if... A dr- they just if they match Bar- basically if they match Barcelona's result tomorrow they go through but Inter's going to beat Pilsen um, they better uh, yeah they better you're right uh, it's going to be one of the earlier games so it's nice we get the uh, the City I team staggered tomorrow which is nice yeah um, I expect the, the the one thing though that I would be concerned about if I'm Inter or if I'm an Inter supporter which I don't think is going to be a whole lot to be concerned about is that this is a game where Inter's going to have a lot more of the ball. And we've seen them struggle when they're superior in possession. Yeah. You know, um, so they'll qualify, they'll win, but don't, don't go out here making this assumption that they're going to go out and boat race them by six. Cause I don't think they're going to do that. Um, I, at three nil probably, pro- but even three one, cause I could see pills and nicking them on the counter when enter stretches things so much. I mean, if they, project this starting lineup and Dumfries starts at right wing back right off the bat. Pilsen's going to have some things to attack on that side um, because Dumfries is just going to want to go forward, you know, and doesn't do a whole lot of recovering. And Zaghi yeah. bombs him forward all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, DeMarco looks like he's set to start as the left wing back. I mean, you got to expect the best possible team for Inter to come out and start. But I'll go three nil. I, I won't give Pilsen a goal here, even though it won't surprise me if they score one, but I'll go three nil to enter. I'll go two nil. I'll go two nil. I think I don't think they're gonna score a boatload of goals, like you said. Uh but I am hoping they do another stout enough job defensively that they don't give many goals. So yeah, two nothing I'll say. You just have to look at the the Shakhtar games a couple of years ago, and I've made comments yeah. about that numerous times where I mean, they just, you know, they, they, they had all the possession and all the chances in those games and struggled to score goals. They, you know, inter-personnel-wise are built to beat you on the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, they love having space. They love being able to operate and get in behind you and, and, and get you stretched and then go. And I just don't see this being a game where they're going to let Pilsen have a lot of the ball. They're just going to have it, and they're just going to create off of that. So, um so for me, I think it's I'll, I'll go three nil. You're going two nil. Uh, Anthony in the chat saying two nil. Uh, so we're all kind of in some agreement on that. Napoli and Rangers. Napoli can rotate. I think they will. I don't think you see Awesome in tomorrow. Um, I think we could see Raspadori. Yeah. Um, who you know we could see we we, we could see Raspadori and Simeone together. They've done that, haven't they? Uh, I'm sure they have at some point in season. Maybe not to start with, but because Napoli don't need this game, and if my suspicions are correct, their game. What do they got at the weekend? Uh, let's see. Are they Saturday? 
Yeah, they well they host Oswolo Saturday, and it's an early game. So, you know, as far as Champions League fixture pileups go, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, this, this is a dilemma for Spalletti, and I say this because a you rotate guys like you said. This game doesn't mean anything. You focus on on City, yeah. But B on the flip side, you potentially, if you rotate enough and you lose momentum by getting a loss somehow, does that throw off the rest of your season? Right, you're right. on such a great form. Do you keep that going, or do you risk not injuring players for the league? It, right. It's a hard juggle. It, it seems like an easy choice, but it really isn't because, especially teams are are not as Napoli isn't as strong as some teams yet. We we mm. we haven't. They have to prove it to us, right? And until they prove it to us. It could be the back of their head that hey, if they lose that form, uh oh, it's starting to unravel. Even though they don't need this game, you know, right. they don't want to change anything at all. I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. The key. Guys I don't know are- if I. I don't know if I see a blow. Well, I mean, it also depends on how motivated Rangers is going to be for this because Rangers are completely out. Yeah. Of Champions League now, they can still qualify for Europa. They're going to have to beat Ajax by more than four um, on the last match day to do it. So, you know, is this one of these? You could see, I could see Von Bronkhorst totally cutting his losses here and saying, we're punting too, which would deprive us of James Tavernier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I see Tavernier playing decent right back for them. The problem with this Rangers team is that just the, the rest of them just aren't any good. I mean, um, you, you know, Stephen Davis has been there for been playing forever. Um, I mean, none of these guys inspire any fear. I mean, John Lundstrom was the, was a midfielder on, on a Sheffield United team that wasn't very good. You know, this isn't a you know Scott Arfield. Scott Arfield's Canadian, isn't he? You got me. Yes, he is. Hey, hey I got that one right. There you go. Um, you know, played it was like a spot starter for Burnley. I mean, it, I, these are and these guys are playing on a Champions League team. This is Spalletti could rotate and and Napoli could still win this game three one, and I think they will. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, they'll concede one four one. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, I don't see Napoli losing this game. I think even their backups they got such good depth on this team. Whether you're yep. starting. You know, Politano or Raspadori or you're resting Cavara or Osiman. It doesn't matter. They got a lot of good players on this team. Um, I, I can see them scoring goals still. Plus, yep. Plati's going to still do the same tactics. Uh, so, yeah, 3-1. I like that shot. Yep. <clears throat> um, so that's the that's the rest of the champions. Like, So we think Inter will qualify. Napoli have a no-big-deal kind of game. Uh, getting over to the Europa League, uh, Lazio host Michelin. And then Roma uh, travel to oh hell I just had it um, Helsinki HJK Helsinki yes thank you all right so Lazio right now the situation with them is that everybody has five points in Group F yeah um, Feyenoord Michelin Lazio Sturm Graz um, and it's still a relatively difficult group now Lazio were pantsed in Denmark by my Michelin, which is a big reason why Michelin's on five points, but it's a Michelin team that aside from that game have not been particularly good in this, in this competition. They did get a two, two draw. They, in both games against Feyenoord, um, 
They were beaten 1-0 by Sturm Grant, so I should walk that back. They've been okay. I mean, it's um, how serious does Lazio want to take this game? And I think that now that if they're in a position to qualify, we'd expect Saudi to go for it. I think this is, this is going to be one of the – this is going to be a very entertaining game. Um, Lazio just came off a very challenging game here beating Atalanta. Um, you know, now kind of sandwiched here in between fixtures where on Sunday they got to host Salernitana, which you would expect they'd be able to take care of business. But Michelin has been tricky, and I think that they're capable of scoring goals. And Lazio have been a little bit different in the Europa League. I, I think this will be an entertaining game. I'm going to go 3 2 to Lazio. High scoring. I d- yeah, I mean, d- I mean, Michelin can score. The problem is, is they can't keep anybody out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shot. I mean, they've got nine goals in, in, in the tournament so far, uh, second only to Feyenoord. Uh, so yeah, that's a good shot. Um, I mean, I hope I hope Lazio go take the confidence that they had from Atalanta and build upon that. I agree. Sadi's going to want to qualify for the next round. Uh, I'm going to go. Oh man, I'm going to go two one Lazio. Two one Lazio. Okay. Yeah. I almost went 2-1 Lazio, but I gave them an extra goal. So, um, All right, Roma at HJK Helsinki. Um, they're behind Ludogratz and Batiste, who play each other in Bulgaria uh, on Thursday. I'm going to go for Roma to just – I'm going to just go 2-0. You know, Mourinho coming off of the difficult game against uh, Napoli and then now having to come in – I think he plays on Monday um, at Hellas Verona. Um, you know, this is going to be all about just, you know, doesn't have to be pretty, doesn't have to be dominant. Just, just nick a two nil win and move on. It's going to be your classic Jose Mourinho beat you two nil and go about your business. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I, I imagine that's what they're going to go out and do. Um, I expect nothing less than that. Honestly, a win, uh, and hopefully Ludogratz loses to Betis, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I have this feeling that. Helsinki is going to score a goal somehow, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go same scoreline as the, as the Lazio game, two to one Roma. Okay. Um, and then finally, Fiorentina in the Conference League against Basaksa here. Basaksa here hasn't given up a goal yet in this competition. I think oh. that is finally going to end for them, uh, coming to the Artemio Franchi. But I'm going to say this is a two-two draw because Fiorentina will be able to score goals but they also can't keep anybody out these days. We saw that this weekend. <laughs> yes, we did. And uh, I think that uh, it'll be an entertaining game. It'll be a 2-2 draw. It'll clinch the group win for Basaksa here. It will leave Fiorentina with still having to do a little bit of work if they want to qualify, but they ought to. I'm going to say, I'm going to go for the win. I go 3-2 for Fiorentina. How about that? Okay. Which I see, which could happen, so... All right, so that's our European roundup. We had three big games, Richard, on Match Week 11. Uh, let's uh, let's let's start with those, and then we'll talk about the rest after that. All right, uh, let's see what three games we want to talk about. Okay, so first, um, starting off with Fiorentina hosting Inter, big big game there. Want to see what both these teams are made of? Well, we kind of know what both these teams are made of, but how would they square up against each other? Um, Goal story started early and super early for Inter. Great start for them. Uh, Nicolo Barella, excuse me, scores in the second minute. A wonderful team play goal off a turnover there. Uh, nice run by Barella to get there. And then with the outside of his foot, uh, getting past the keeper, 
Um, well done there, one nothing there. Uh, and then just what 10, 12 minutes later, um, Lartaro Martinez makes it two nothing. You're looking like it's gonna be a blowout here. What is going on here with Fiorentina? They finally wake up, uh, get the penalty in the 33rd minute. Cabral converts it, makes it two to one. Uh, Icone with a goal of the week candidate, wonderful goal by him, made it two two. And you're thinking, okay, we're gonna get a draw here. Uh, then a controversial penalty happens in the 73rd minute. Penalty awarded to Inter after um, the goalkeeper for Fiorentina touched it, did not touch it, and we'll get to that. Another similar play in the, in the Roma-Napoli matchup. Lautaro steps up, scores, makes it 3-2. Uh, Jovic, a guy who's been uh, having a hard time this season for Fiorentina, did get the equalizer, it seemed like, in the 90th minute, but uh, there's still stoppage time, and Mkhitaryan, after Terrible, terrible mistake uh, defensively. Bounced right to Mar- uh, Mkhitaryan, who continued his run and goes into goal. 4-3 Inter win a hell of a game, uh, Frank. Um, <laughs> this game had everything. This game had everything from beginning to end, from the opening whistle to end whistle. Um, you want to keep going or you want to talk about this? No, game? no, no. Let's yeah, we'll talk about this game. We, right. we should get we, we want to give individual attention to each one of these games because yeah. they were all very good. Yeah, Fiorentina and Inter gave us an all-timer, as as you've illustrated for us. <clears throat> What's crazy to me is that, okay, the final score was 4-3, but there weren't a lot of shots in this game overall. No. You no. know, I mean, Cremonese had more shots than these two teams combined in their game against Sampdoria on Monday. <laughs> and they had no um, goals. Yeah, and didn't score. <laughs> so oh, um, I think that what that tells you is that, okay, Fiorentina had a lot of possession, for the most part, did a pretty good job of diffusing Inter on the counterattack. Inter were definitely much more efficient with the chances that they got. They forced Terracciano into a, into some saves. Um, you know, when I look at how this game broke down, the role of the striker for Fiorentina, I mean, Cabral, had he not gotten the penalty, we would not have known he was out there. Yeah, um, speaks to the performances and in, in, in particular of DeVry and Skriniar, I thought were were decent. OK, um, you know, the Akone goal. I mean, you, what is any what can anybody in the back three do about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think where they do where, where you do have to maybe give them a little bit of stick, allowing Jovic to get in there and get that goal there, uh, you know, right at the last minute. But as far as the job they did. Overall, in Cabral as a starting center striker, they they did their job, and, and Inter have struggled with in, in big games in particular. They've struggled with with strikers. I think they've gotten a little bit better at it. Um, you know, the home match against Barcelona in the Champions League, they were great against Lewandowski. Not so great against him at the Camp Nou. Um, so that's one thing that I that I noticed and I saw. Um, I, you know. The uh, I Inter's midfield for me was better than Fiorentina's, and I think that here's the other thing: a lot of lost possession. You know, guys like Amrabat and Duncan struggled to to get things going, and Bonavent- yeah. and and their presence gives Bonaventura a little bit of freedom, but Bonaventura really couldn't do a whole lot with it. Um. You know, but I thought the inter midfield was better in this game. And then, you know, it's Barella getting that early goal, Mikitarian getting that late goal, Chalanolu 
he's not a he's not Brozovic. It's kind of crazy. I mean, the, I mean, you look at this inter midfield, and you would have thought, well, th- th- this shouldn't work, but it did. And um, you have Barella, Chalanolu, Mikatarian. Okay, who's the stopper in that midfield? It's not Barella, but you're not asking little five foot two Barella to be a stopper. He's a he's a runner. Five foot two. <laughs> yeah, isn't he five foot two? Somebody told me he was five foot two. Five eight, five nine, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> we should. I'm gonna look this up now. I gotta look up his height. That's what you're doing to me. Uh, five eight. Yeah. Okay, five yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're cheating him out of a half a foot. <laughs> <laughs> you're cheating him, not me. <laughs> I thought with that this is a team effort, Richard. Poor Nicola. Poor Nicola. <laughs> I think I made the joke about Nicola Barella that the fastest I see him run is when he runs at the referee when he doesn't like a call. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I don't think that he runs faster at any moment in a match than he does when when a referee makes a call he doesn't like. You go against him, yeah, 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 uh, for sure. So, um, I thought Darmian was good too. Yeah, he's been good this season. I thought that I thought that he, you know, Kwame ended up getting an assist in this game, but overall, you know, nullified some of the threat that Kwame can bring because Kwame's been in pretty good form for Fiorentina too. I thought, I thought Kwame was decent. I thought for what. The Ryan screen and the back the back three did against Cabral. I thought Kwame is being able to create some stuff. I mean, he obviously got the assist on Ikone's goal. Uh, I thought he was lively. Yes, he got nullified a lot, but he still was able to create some plays. Unlike Cabral, who was non-existent uh, other than the penalty. Uh, so you got to give credit to Inter for being able to nullify him as best they could. I thought you know, on Fiorentina's side, though the midfield wasn't as good. I thought you know having Ikone. Kony had some good chances early in the game and then eventually got his goal in the 60th minute. Like I said, Kwame was doing well. Um, using the wingback play as well really helped him to overcome some of the midfield um, weaknesses that they had because, like you said, that the midfield that for Inter, even though they didn't look that good, they were playing well. Uh, obviously, having an early goal helps, um, but then that sending up Lartaro for that second goal, they were creating chances limited, but they still created chances. So I think, you know, to your point, Darmian and some of these guys, they were doing a good job defensively. And goalkeepers made their saves, but, you know, like you said, there weren't many great chances in the game. The ones that they had, the score, they were, both teams have to be fairly clinical in their, in their regards. And Fiorentina's only answer for stopping Inter on the counter was fouling them. Yeah. And Amrabat himself had four, he committed four fouls, got, yeah. yelled, got booked for one of them. Um, you know, I just, it was... It was an efficient performance by Inter. They got a little bit leaky defensively. The penalty for Cabral, um, Icone. I mean, sometimes you just sometimes you just put your hands in the air and say, "Okay, great goal. We got to go. We got to go answer to that now." And then the Ovich goal, I think, was one that was was preventable. Yeah, for um, sure. I think in the way these two teams approached this game, Inter were the better team and deserved to win the game. Um, I don't think that. I will say this. I think. Do you think four three flatters Fiorentina a little bit here? I think the game flattered Fiorentina. I think the game the game flattered Inter. Um, okay. Some people may think I sympathize with Inter at times, but cover your ears because I think Inter got lucky in this game because the penalty that Cabral ended up scoring on DiMarco should have been gotten a red card for the, the high studs on on Bonaventura. He should have been out, and he stayed mm-hmm. in the game and was able to create chances after chances in that game. Inter should have been down to ten man from the early on the rest of that game, in my opinion. Yeah. And then you look at the penalty. It's, it's you know, The penalty in this game and the penalty in the Roman Napoli game, almost identical. 
Yeah. Player goes into the box. Goalie gets his hand on the ball or doesn't get his hand on the ball. Penalty penalty called. What we saw in the Inter Fiorentina matchup was that Tatarachano um, touched the ball. Player goes down. They say penalty. Romanopoli and Dobele goes in. Uh, Tatra, Tatraciano, who's Tatraciano? <laughs> Tatraciano, I'm thinking about Milan. <laughs> are are, are and Tatraciano gonna mate and have a child? They may be a good goalkeeper at that point. Tatraciano, Tatraciano, <laughs> Tatraciano got the ball, penalty called. And the Roma game, and Dobele, Repatricio, he gets the hand on the ball, no penalty called. Same play, opposite calls. This is what frustrates people with VAR, but I think. Inter got lucky in this game because they shouldn't have had 11 guys for the for 60 minutes of the game and they did sure and the result probably would have gone i don't know i don't i can't say that inter or fiorentino would have done done something with that man advantage but you know that score flatters inter but on the flip it flatters inter okay but i will say inter inter can play with what's in front of them they they didn't have you know they weren't making the calls they played through it and they play till the very end. They deserve the goal at the end. Mkhitaryan making his run. They, the team earned that win. You know what? Should it have all the guys out there? That doesn't matter. They couldn't. They couldn't. It wasn't up to them. They handled what they had to do, and they did it. And that's you have to give Inter credit because that is what champions do. They find a way to get results when everything's going against them, and they still get it. Get the result. So mm. kudos to Inter for that. But I think the refereeing is the bigger topic. Okay. But I mean, so I mean, Fiorentina still regrouped and scored. So yeah. I, I mean, I I get it. I mean, if 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 look, if if uh, Martinez, if that's the last goal of the match, yeah, that was a bad okay. goal. So I give up. You know, I can understand where it shifts things tactically, and you got to try to make some changes and do some different things. You know, you know where your your hand is forced a little bit. Where if that incident was handled correctly it's still 2-2 and maybe italiano's thinking is a little bit different yeah i I can see that and and that might change the course a little bit but he made the necessary changes to put the team in position to get to get back into the game and draw it at 3-3 they just get countered in the end looking for a looking for the winner so uh and it goes back to bite them i think you know at some point you gotta you almost ask yourself would Okay, you get it to 3-3 in the 90th minute. Um, you've been struggling. You need points. You need to work your way back up. This is a title contender. Um, at some point as a manager, yeah, you want to try to win. You want to try to get the three points. But with what you've been through in that game and with everything that's gone on, do you just sit there and say, look, let's just manage this out. Point is not going to really kill us here. Let's not lose the point. We just fought to get back. Um, yeah. But... Or at the same time, or, you know, you, you can look at it that way. You can look at the way that I prefer. He went for it. said, all right, we got the, we got three, three. Let's go win. Let's go try and win the game. And let's start, let's go chase this knowing full well, what Inter can do going the other way, you yeah. know, no, for sure. Was it worth that risk? Well, it, in hindsight, yeah. it's not because they lost. <laughs> yeah. And it was you know a same I mean? mistake that cost him that goal. I mean, nine times out of the 10, he's going to get that play and it's never going to get to Mkhitaryan, but Mkhitaryan does what a good, attacker should do is continue your run on the off chance that goes by and you're right there. And sure enough, he was there and you know, kudos to them for, for getting the game winning goal. My good Juve were horrible against Benfica. I mean, he meant so God. Was the bad, so was the bad Juve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Juve were terrible. 
Our chat doesn't know how to type. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to talk. So it works out, right? I don't know how to talk. So you're you're in good company, Hamza. <laughs> yeah, I call them goalkeepers by the wrong name. Tatraciano, Tatraciano is going to be the new. He's going to be the new goalkeeper. Maybe they do some kind of wife swap and maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So, assuming they have wives, I don't know much about these players' personal lives. So. Ah, okay. Um, Where were we? <laughs> let's get on. Well, let's talk about uh, Atalanta Lazio, um, Richard, where Lazio won the match 2 0. Uh, Zakanye in the 10th minute and Felipe Anderson in the 52nd minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, typical what we've seen of Atalanta this season, they take on the strategy of letting Lazio have a little bit more of the ball, they try to defend. Um, the Lazio found the spaces that other teams have been having a hard time finding. Now, is it because they played with a false nine or, you know, that they, that they could have a little variation? Atalanta hasn't really seen that this season. So you have to wonder if there was maybe some confusion with how Atalanta defended in this game. I don't think there was a whole lot that looked different. Zakani backdoored uh, uh, Okoli. Um, Great run by him. Yeah. Okoli not paying attention. What so bit? Yeah. Um, Okoli getting caught ball watching a little bit there. And then you get the Felipe Anderson goal. Uh, I thought that Atalanta tried to be organized, but to Hamza's point, were confused mm-hmm. um, and uh, ended up losing the game. I want to make a few points about Lazio here, Richard. Um, okay, Mattia Zaccagni is why Lazio are probably not going to miss Tiro Immobile. Uh, through 11 games this season, four goals and three assists. Uh, he's really taken on an accelerated role in this team under Maurizio Sarri. His, his star just keeps rising. He's to a point where I don't even think Roberto Mancini can ignore him um, for future national team call-ups. Um, it's all about what Mancini's going to do system-wise because he rolled out three-five-two uh, in the last couple of Nations League games. Where if that's the case, Zakani probably doesn't fit. Um, but Zakani feels like Insigne at Saudi's Napoli almost. You know, I mean, Insigne was definitely more productive, but. Zakania is certainly trending that way, I think. Um, you know, so I want to I want to point out him. I think that, you know, we can say we we, we maybe create because Caicedo's not with Lazio anymore, so maybe Zakania greater than Immobile. We can get that t-shirt made up. <laughs> um and then the com- combination of Casali and Romagnoli were excellent. Yeah. In the middle of that defense. They knew what was coming when Atalanta came forward and they were ready. And the most dangerous chance of the game from Atalanta came from when Hattabor came forward. Yeah, um, yeah, offside. And he even he even missed the target altogether. Atalanta didn't get anything on target. Lazio played a very controlled match from start to finish. They did an excellent job. I, I think that this was a commendable performance, commendable performance um, from Sadi and his team. Uh, you know, to find the solution and find the resources. So let's, you know, so I ask you the question. Um, did Lazio 
is is this Lazio team going to be okay without Chudo Immobile, or is this a case of the whole league just got to see what Lazio looked like without Immobile for ninety minutes, and they're all going to now have time to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, on the on, on you could ask that you could ask also, are Lazio better without Chiro Immobile? Right? It seems like when he's there, they are overly in, overly dependent on him, and they kind of take away from some of the good things they can do because there's some quality players in the attack. We've talked about this; they're very good attacking players on this team. You know, Felipe Anderson, Zakanyi, uh, and not even mention you know Sergei Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto and, and and some of these other guys. But when he's not there, they have to actually play not you yeah. know not focus on him and they can do what they're good at Felipe Anderson was good today Zakani excellent um the team played as a team now I'm not going to be foolish enough to say that um they're better without Chiri Mobile Chiri Mobile is a fantastic player he does so many things outside of scoring goals but are they going to miss him going back to your question I don't think they're going to miss him um where are we going to see in this game we kind of saw it they had Felipe Anderson step up, Zakani stepped up. In the big games, Chiru Immobile always scored. They may not have won those games, but he always scored, it seemed like. Someone has to step up and do and take his place in those big games. We saw in this game, it's a big game, Zakani and Felipe Anderson are willing to step up. Now, if they continue doing that while he's out, they are not going to miss a beat. Uh, but I think in his other games, they're going to be fine. So I don't think they're going to miss um, Chiru Immobile based on the small sample of being a very good Atalanta team. Um they were just so organized, and Sadi had them humming, really. And it was really good to see. And like you said, the defensive pairing of um, Casal and, and Romagnoli worked really well. Um, so if they can watch that backdoor play that Atalanta nearly scored on with Hatabur, it's going to be a very complete team and hard team to beat going forward. So, yeah, I think this Lazio team should be good with without Immobile. Obviously, you want him, but I think they'll be good. I'm going to give you. I'm going to throw something amazing at you with this, <clears throat> with the, with regards to Nicola Casale. Um, because now he is now the the next player we're hyping up. You know, we, we we try to get ahead of this. This one I wanted to see a couple. This one I wanted to see a couple of games and get some sample on. Um, but when we get to midseason, and I do my you better know eleven, he is locked in it. Uh, in the. He's made four appearances now All right. for Lazio. Four. No one's been able to score on Lazio with him out there. Wow. wow. So, and he has been damn good in every appearance he's made. So, uh, I mean, in this game on Sunday against Atalanta in particular. But, yeah, he has had – he has made four appearances with Lazio uh, at the start – since the start of this season. And <clears throat> when he's out there, Lazio have yet to concede a goal. Hmm. Play, just play him all the time, Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, has has Romagnoli been his partner in all four of those games? Uh, let's look. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look that up while you maybe make some comments about Atalanta and the struggles to try to try to breach what Lazio had. I mean, Lazio knew what was coming. They were ready. They made Atalanta look predictable almost. They did. They did, uh, and then and then with the with the early goal as well, Gasparini was all fired up. It seemed like Lazio did their homework, read all the all the channels that were Atalanta like to get you, and frustrated them. And then when they did, Atalanta had no answer. Um, they tried different things, but as who put it, I think Ali Oxen put it in the chat or somebody else said, <coughs> excuse me, 
some of these pieces as a collective they're good but they don't have the individual talent it seems at the moment to unlock the defenses as they did in the past um there's no papu gomez there's no Ilicic, right um yeah Paslich is there and some other guys but as a team they're good and when you stop the team there's no individual to come up and stand up and, and take the reins right we talked about it with lazio right. without immobile they were lacking that and lazio took a full advantage of that and they were completely disciplined um Great game plan by by Sadi and his men, and and it, and it worked out. And Atalanta, it's not going to be derailed their season, but they're going to have to figure out an alternative when they get stopped. Two games with two games with Romagnoli, two games with Patrick. Makes Patrick look good, I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So. Mario Gila um, played one game as well. What's that? Mario Gila played with uh, Casal as well one time. Yeah, I think I, the the ones I saw that it was uh, it was two with Romagnoli, two with Patrick. At least the starting lineups: the the Cremonese and, and Hellas Verona wins. He was playing back there with Patrick, and then the last two games, Udinese and uh, Atalanta, he was playing with Romagnoli. So let's play devil's advocate on your on your Casal comment, just because just for fun, right? Um, you mentioned how. The great statistic he has playing for Lazio, starting for Lazio, uh, and Hamza says, you know, I want to see eight good games for Casal. Usually, we don't really judge teams until we see them for ten games. Right? Do we do that with players as well, or you know, we have a pretty good vibe on on players how they look, but to get a true assessment of them, should we wait to see more of a sample size to see, hey, is this guy's really legit, or does he had a couple good games or good starts to, to his career? What do you thought? In this game, I'm good with four games as a sample size. Now he played last year quite a bit too, yeah. but the role that he's the form that he's in right now, uh, I'm good with. I mean, you, you have four games you've been involved in four games where the other team doesn't score. You know, you, that's saying something, isn't it? And especially with different center back partners. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a responsibility. Captain. Here's the thing: he's got height at six three. He can win in the air. He's got quickness, as as Hamza pointed out. Um, I, the one question that I, if there's a question I would like to see get answered is how does he deal with possession out of the back against a team that's going to press him? Yeah. So that's the one, that's the one box that let's just say that's the one box that probably still needs to get ticked. Now, uh, uncle Sharma had a really great video this week, uh, talking about the pragmatic, uh, the pragmatism of Serie A this year and how teams aren't pressing as much as they as they normally would or as that we're used to. Um, it's a great video. Go check out the video if you haven't seen it. Yanko Sharma, great, great content there. But he talked about how there's not many teams in Serie A this year doing the high press. There are some that still do it, right? Milan, obviously, they're trying to mimic the Byron system. There are a few teams, but most teams, especially the teams that are on top of the league, they tend not to press that much. You know, right? It's mostly the right. teams at the bottom of the table and a couple other outliers in there, um, Atalanta being one of them. Um, but yeah, it'd be curious to see under pressure how you do. That's when you want to see if how good a defender was. That's why we kind of raved on Tamori last year because under pressure he was excellent. Right. Yep. This year maybe not as not as step down, but um when you face that kind of pressure where you have to move the ball with your feet, how good are you? That'll say what kind of overall player you are, or if you're just having a, a good four game stint or whatever. Right. Right. I'm, I'm with you on all of that for sure. Oh, mercy. Um, Atalanta slipped up here a couple of times now. You know, they got the red card to Muriel. 
Um, well, they dumb, beat Sassuolo. Dumb by him. The, 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 the draw against Udinese is, is the other one. So, I mean, I guess they can be forgiven. I mean, they played a pretty – I don't know. I, I, you probably can write this just off as a bad day for Atalanta. Let me walk it back a little bit because I look at their last five fixtures. At Roma, hosting Fiorentina. At Udinese, hosting Sassuolo, hosting Lazio. That's a pretty challenging stretch. Yeah. No, and yeah, sure. coming out of that with 10 out of a possible 15 points, I think you you would take if you're trying to build a, a campaign that challenges for even top four. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, so we had one more big game. It happens to be the Derby Della Sud. We've gone almost an hour into this podcast, Richard, and we have not talked about Romanopoly yet. I know. I know. Uh Two teams, fantastic teams in terms of talent, what they can do offensively. Obviously, what Napoli's doing on, on the continent, on European continent or wherever, uh, it's something to talk about. But no, Roma's doing a pretty good job as well. And uh, in this game, I wasn't expecting a lot of goals, and we didn't get many goals. Uh, I didn't get a goal until the 80th minute, Osiman with a nice run behind. But um, this was a – though there weren't many goals, this was an entertaining game. Um, Napoli do what they do. They're going to get possession. They're going to possess most teams. Um, but this is a, a good match. I thought. I thought Smalling was good for majority of the game. Had that one mistake on Osimhen, and it was a big mistake. Osimhen, fantastic finish on that, right? Um, but they did a good job. I think Roma did against um, Havarshelia. Um, I mean, both teams had their moments, had their saves. It was such an entertaining game. Um. Usually one off in games, you're like, eh, hey, it probably wasn't a good game. This is a good game for me. I it, yeah. was it it could have been was it a the best game one old game ever? No, but it was a, certainly a good game for Derby de la Sole. So I mean had everything it had a lot. It wasn't as entertaining as maybe Fiorentina Inter with all the goals, but I think with with the minus the goals, it's still a very entertaining game. I mean sure. Juan Jesus nearly got the goal. I mean, he should have scored. He should have scored scored against Roma. Uh, he's going to be kicking himself that he didn't score against his old team there. But, uh, yeah, no, good game, I think, by both teams, I think. Um, and the question that keeps coming up, Zaniolo uh, still has no goals, right? I mean, how many games now has he not scored a goal? It's been a long time. I think Jerry posted something about how long it's been since he scored a goal. Uh, it's been 84 years or something. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the one thing for, for Roma. I mean, they're they're missing Dybala, obviously. But, you know not getting any goals and it's hard. Napoli's a good team. I mean, both these teams are good. Here's the thing with Zaniolo. He's, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's a one trick pony as an attacker. I think he's a, he needs space. He needs to get behind on counterattacks. I don't, when the, when they're in possession and the space and the opponents compact and that sort of thing, I don't think he's one of those guys that is shown that he's capable of finding those spaces where he can unlock things. I don't think he can get into the half spaces and be dangerous. I think he's good at sprinting past opposition. You know, I think he's a, you know, he's, he's Leal, but Leal is way better at it than him. You know, and Leao has other things to his skill set, too. And Zaniolo was good in this game. He has the pace still, which is good. Some yeah. guys having those injuries that he have don't have the speed still. He's still got the speed. Yeah, and and it's – I just feel like he's not a guy that when – you know, he's not a guy that I'm scared of when 
Roma get the ball wide and they're getting into crossing situations. I want to know where he is. And if I know where he is, that's good enough. I, you know, I, he's not a guy that's going to beat you aerially. You know, he's not a guy that unless you get totally ball watch it, get caught ball watching, then that's where he's going to sneak into the spaces and score. But other than that, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything more to him than just his pace is able to his, his ability to dribble past his ability to run past, you know, and things like that. And I think he needs it in counterattacking environments where he's got more spaces to do it. He doesn't strike me as an attacker yet that can be effective when being asked the questions that an opponent that will compact things um, and tighten the spaces up. I don't think he has the answers to those questions yet. Yeah. Um, I think you purely use him, but I mean it, but he's, he's, he's ideal for the way Mourinho wants to play with Roma. Yeah. He's good. Um, one-on-one. He is good. One-on-one. He's got pretty decent, yeah. but the, the finishing is not there right now. Obviously it doesn't help that Tammy's not scoring either. Yeah. Right? He had a good early chance and that was about yeah. it. That, you know, that yeah. was about it, but he, his influence is that when you lose the ball, you better know where he is because he's, he's one of those guys that, a defender will look for in route one and just, okay, you're, you're running. You've got a ton of room. I'm going to launch this thing about 70 yards and have you go chase it. So, so someone uh, asked me this question last week. I forget who, I forget who it was. And I apologize. Um, and they said, knowing Zagnolo is young, right? He's young. He's got all his potential and say Mourinho wants son from Tottenham. Would you make that swap? Son is getting towards the end of his career. He's like 29 now, 28, 29. Oh, I'd, I'd make that swap in a heartbeat. Right. Well, the, the question is, you got four years of fantastic top-of-the-notch play by Son or potentially 10 more years of Zaniolo and maybe get into potential depth surpasses Son? I said, you, could get si- you could get six out of Son. He's... He's yeah, fitter than you think. Fit enough. All these guys are fitter. Than these. I, I said, and especially in Serie, especially in Serie A too. Yeah, I, and I made the case for Son. I said, you take Son now, and you get your team good. You make all this money. You get in the Champions League. Maybe you win a Scudetto, and you keep get more money. You can buy more players at, to take his place. You know, Zaniolo. Yes, he's a potential to surpass Son in terms of talent, but there's no guarantee. Right. You know, and he, right now he's not scoring goals. So you take the sure bet, which is Son at the moment. He knows Amrini knows he can get him to work on her system. And yeah. you know, hope that Zaniolo blossoms at Tottenham. But I would say I would make that swap in a heartbeat. It's a difficult call. I know there's many Romans who would say, "No, I'm not moving, making that move." And I understand that. But I personally, and it seems like you too, would take Son yeah. in a heartbeat. Zaniolo thrives in a two-striker system where the other striker's a stronger guy, target guy, hold-up play that can absorb the punishment, and he can and Zaniolo can just run off of that. The problem is, is that Tammy Abraham can't. I don't take Tammy Abraham seriously in that role. You know. Um, if we got prime form Andrea Bellotti from when he was Torino, when all the hype started on this Roma team, that would be pretty dynamic with him and Zaniolo together. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have that with Bellotti right now. We have a Bellotti that gets to play Europa League and gets to go score braces against Helsinki. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a shell of what he used to be in, in, in essence. I think Tammy Abraham needs to link up with Leao because Leao two years ago was this frail guy, fast, obviously talented, but you could push him off the ball. Right. Last year he bulked up, won the MVP. 
Tammy Abraham needs to bulk up. If he bulks up, becomes a menacing force like a Duvan Zapata or or any of these big strikers, then you're talking because it adds a different element to his game. Um, yeah. Thierry Henry had a, a great comment about uh, how a striker should play defender with his back to the ball. And I doubt, you know, um, Tammy Abraham could do it. You can't, you know, spin off the guy. He, he doesn't have the strength to hold off a defender. He needs to bulk up so he gets that strength. And you don't want to get to the point where you're like Lukaku now, where you're way too heavy and you can't yeah. have the pace anymore. He needs to bulk yeah. up for sure and get stronger, hold off some of these guys. And he'll become a complete Belotti-like striker who can do multiple things, not just outpace you and get a goal. I just, at the moment, Abraham and Zaniola to me as forwards are two of the same guy. And then when you're trying to counter, you need a, I mean, it sometimes helps to have a reference up there that can you get the ball to him yeah. and can he hold it? And then you can have the runners making their runs or you can drop it to a guy like Pellegrini who can find Zaniolo running into the spaces if your back is to Zaniolo. So those are the things that, you know, and I, and, and Tommy just doesn't fit that mold. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, to Hamza's point, Tommy at Atalanta instead of Tommy would, Tommy Abraham would be an amazing forward for Atalanta. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, and, and right now Mourinho just doesn't quite have that. So, um, but I'll say this, Victor, I mean, on the flip side, as far as strikers go, Victor Ossiman was fantastic. And not just for the goal. I mean, off the ball, on the yeah. ball. I yeah. mean, he created all kinds of problems. I mean, he outworked that entire Roma back three, you know, Smalling when he got, got in some moments with him and was fine. But nothing more than that. But Mancini, Abania, none of these guys could have figured out what to do with him. And he kept peeling off of guys, getting for pace. I mean, he scored a man's goal. His goal is my goal of the week. Okay. Um, okay. You know. I mean, Hobbs made a good point. Smalling and Cristante were amazing in this game. Smalling had a really good game. And still, Osiman had a good game. Um, the goal, even if he didn't have a goal, he still played very beastly to use the Napoli rent guys, right? Uh, he was very much all over the place, using his pace, using his his smarts and making the runs, uh, peeling off guys, like you said. And so he did so much in that game. Uh, excellent game by him. And yeah, it was just a fun chess match to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, Osiman is getting, Osiman is trending. You know, we talk about, what do we talk about? A couple of years ago, we were talking about the, you know, the things that we're looking for in a striker, you know, uh, that they're, they're the five areas where we want you to just be elite, hold up yeah. play, finishing. Um, Pat, I, I can't remember what the five, we have to go back to the archives and look at it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've talked about so many functions and components of positions that it's, it's, it's crazy, but awesome. is trending to being that elite striker that we had a couple of years ago with mm-hmm. Duvan Zapata and Romelu Lukaku. And I think that Osiman is trending and, you know, the thing that has just curbed him obviously has been the injuries, you know, and now he's fit again. Um, and we see the just special player that he can be and that he is. And I think he demonstrated that. I thought he was the best player on the pitch in this game. Yeah. Fair shot. Um, you know, I think you can maybe make a case for um, Juan Jesus was also really damn good. I mean, he had a lot to do with why Roma were struggling to get any, uh, you know, get anything dangerous on Napoli. Um, but for me, Victor Olsenman was the man of the match in this game, not just because of the goal, but just because of everything else that he did in this game. So let me ask this question, because um, we just talked about this with Tammy Abraham. Should... 
considering all the injury problems with Osiman, should he also try to bulk up as well? Get muscular and yes, he has good hold up play, but even get even better if he has a little bit of muscle on his frame. Because you don't want to take away his lightning pace. It, guys like him and Leao with this pace that is unmatched, you don't want to take away from that. But obviously, Leao did it in a way where it didn't affect his pace. Maybe made him a little faster, right? So should Osiman do the same thing? You know, we talked about the eight time Abraham. Maybe Osiman has to do the same thing to even be reach those elite levels that we thought he, he was going to get, right? Because no. really good things, but he needs a little bit more stronger, maybe. I don't know. No. Or he's good. I, he is. I think his frame is fine Okay, for what he does. Okay. Yeah. He's one of those that I feel like that if you had him bulk up more, he would slow down. Yeah. And I don't think you want to lose that. So. Apex is agreeing with you as well. Um, and to answer Daniel's comment – Everything's going well for Spalletti this season. He's in he's in seventh heaven at the moment. Anything he does turns to gold. You can make ridiculous substitutions like he did, and it still works out. Uh, it just that's the flavor of what Spalletti is doing at the moment, and that's why I posed earlier. Like you got to be careful with these games in, in in Champions League where you have already won it, like subbing too much and getting rid of, getting out of that mojo. But they're so good at the moment; they probably win no matter what. So Elmas for Ndombele, which. Kind of like for like, but Elmas pl- probably plays a little higher than Ndombele. Yeah. Um, Politano for Lozano, straight swap. Caetano for Zielinski. Uh, let me look at what Caetano did in this game. Didn't look like he had much impact on it. Yeah. That's a big um, drop off from Zielinski to uh, Gaetano. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the criticism. That that That's the one substitution. I mean, the first two substitutions... Um, the first two substitutions I didn't have an issue with, but but bringing on Gaetano for Vrzielinski, who you can argue is probably you can argue has been your best player this season. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, all you know, justifiably so. A lot of talk about Kvaratskhelia, and I, I don't have any problem with anybody ta- saying that he's been their best player, even Osman. Sure, but Vrzielinski has really made it go between the midfield and the str- and the attackers. Um, Lozano is getting better too, just in time for the World Cup. Um, he's been he's been playing really well over the last month or so, especially in this game. Yeah, I'll agree with Hamza that Napoli looked better once they took with once they took Ndombele off. But then once they took Zielinski off, they regressed again. So they had like they they, they, they those eighteen minutes, you know, is where they had it. But then and I don't know maybe if it was just a fatigue thing with Zielinski. It, it had to be. But Gaetano, and you look at the rest of that bench. They're resting them up for Rangers. <laughs> Why? I mean, <laughs> I bring can't. on Deme. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Bring on Deme if you're that concerned. So uh, Sanjar's in the house. Good to see you, man. He's smoking that Juve pack. <laughs> uh. Oh, boy. All right. Um, Is it time to be concerned for Roma here? I mean, it's – it's. Uh, I mean, or, 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 or is that reading too much into it? I mean, you – Okay, lost narrowly to Napoli. Didn't produce a whole lot of dangers. They played all right. They played pretty well. Inter they beat. Atalanta they lose to. It's kind of are we are we just writing this off and saying that we're just we're 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 having the same roller coaster here with Roma? It's hard to say because it's it's infuriating that they're not getting any shots on target, right? Uh this team can create so many chances. The last two games now that they really didn't create much on, on the offensive side um, in terms of uh, threats on goal. 
zero shots on target is not a good way, not a way you're going to win games. No. Um, they still look good. They still look good, but they need a – the killer instinct is missing. And maybe you need to change it up and start with Belotti, not that he is his old self. But, I mean, look at the stretch coming up. This may be the location to do it. Yep. You got Hellas on the horizon, right? Uh, looking league play only. Lazio is going to be a big game, obviously. Sassuolo, goals can be had there. And Torino, it's – and then Bologna after that. So it's, I don't know, maybe it is not a place because those are some hard defenses there after uh, Hellas there. But uh, they need to figure out a way. I'm not worried about them yet. But if this ineptitude on the final third continues, I am. The last two games have been bad, Roma, in terms of finishing, in terms of getting right. shots on target. But they're still a good team. Uh, right. But at some point, it, that gets old. And they are not a good team at all, right? At the lot last year, we said, "Oh, they're just struggling at the moment, but they have some good players. They're going to be good. They'll get there." And they never did, right? Right. So Roma are not there yet, but we have to keep clo- keep a close eye out here for until between now and when the World Cup gets here this next month or so. Can they regain that form? And if not, you know, Mourinho is going to look in January in the window to figure out a way to get that ha- to happen. I mean, depends how long the ball is out. Um, but, you know, your guys have to perform. Yes, you can have some world-class players or excellent players, but if they don't perform, you got to find somebody who will. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, we probably should get rolling here into the rest of the uh, slate that happened over match week 11, shall we? I think we've uh, beaten Roma and Napoli. Did I will say this. I'll, let me close this about Napoli first. All right. I, you know, I've spent the last couple of weeks poking holes at Napoli's start, okay? I'll close a couple of those holes after this mm-hmm. performance, okay? You know, we still got to talk about when these, the Cup of Nations, you know, when they when, when players go away, what are they going to, you know, what are they going to have? Because Cup, is Cup of Nations next year after the, after the World Cup? I, I don't think they would I'm have that so quickly after the World Cup. You would hope not. No, I don't think so. All right. But anyway, you know, I still want to see how this looks when they actually get in. No, there is no there is no Cup of Nations this year. I didn't think there was. I was going to be crazy to do That'd a World hard. Cup and then a Cup of Nations two months later. They can do it for the rest of the teams, right? No, no, no. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, um, but Napoli closed a couple of those holes that I was poking in them here. I, they haven't closed all of them. All right, but but they Mario Ruiz team. also stepped up too, which kind of helped. That was a hole that he yes. funked himself. Yes, they 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 corrected. So they they they've they they continue to kind of prove me wrong on a few things. I still want to lay down the challenge because it is Napoli, it is Spalletti. There is, you know, you still think that other shoe might drop. So should they still go after Navas? Hmm? Could be. I mean, man, it's been fine. I He's know. been fine. But if you want to win the title, maybe you need a step up. Can Can Meret get you the title? Can get Can he get you the Scudetto? I don't know. Yep. He's he's had mental issues throughout through the years since he started, whether it's full time or part time. Where in big games he makes big mistakes. Yeah. And when it when crunch time comes, can you rely on him? I know Inter got the title with Handanovic, right? Uh, yeah. But he's a veteran goalkeeper. Meret isn't. And I don't know if he can. I hope he can, because for the Italian national team, it'd be great to have him with full full of confidence and possibly challenging Gigio. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. 
So, and that's a question Spalletti is going to answer himself over the next month or so. Maybe looking into January, is Moret my guy going forward, or do I still go after Navas? That's going to be the question I think Spalletti and Napoli are going to have to answer. That's the, one of the bigger holes. What other holes are you looking at with Napoli? Yep. Yep. I, I, I you know, I would agree with that. Um, you know, let's let's see how the season unfolds. So, um, definitely ahead of schedule of where I thought they'd be with all the changes that they made. So. Uh, moving on to the mat- rest of match week 11, though, Juve started it with a, uh, with a uh, 4-0 thumping of Empoli on Friday. Um, thumping's relative because Empoli still managed, had more of the possession, got four shots on goal. I mean, Juve outshot Empoli 21-12. to uh, Moise Ken scored in the eighth minute uh, on an assist from Philippe Kostic. McKenney yeah. from Cuadrado in the 55th. Uh, Rabio from Cuadrado in the 82nd, and then Rabio from Danilo in the 94th uh, to give the old lady the win there. So there's something good for uh, Hugh Aiden. Rabio masterclass, for... right? Yeah, yeah. I think Moise yeah, you... looked pretty good in this game. You're not going. You're not going Vlahovic. to the next round of the Champions League, but you beat Empoli. Yeah. So yeah, Vlahovic might be out injured too, is what I'm hearing. Uh, maybe someone in the chat mentioned it, but Vlahovic might be out long term, which would be really bad for Juventus. Not that he's. Been I've heard that too. That. Yeah, sets the table for Arik Milik, who I think has he's been performing. He's been performing and almost. I mean, in a goals per ninety, Juve fans, calm your shit. From a goals <laughs> per ninety standpoint, Milik has been outperforming Vlahovic. Yeah. Goal, and we're th- looking at just goals per ninety minutes, not just not appearing or any of this other stuff. Either way, I know I know Milik and Blahovic have been ex- excellent together, but you know I still think Moise Kane is a player. He can if he can find a way to catch form somehow, that'll be a dynamic duo with whether it's Blahovic or Milik. Uh, and if you know, depending on how the seriousness of this injury with Blahovic, maybe it has to be you know going to see a longer run with Moise Kane, and this will be his possibly final chance to really prove with Juventus that he is uh, someone they should invest in. Uh, sure. But he's got the pace. He's got the tangibles. It's just, can he put it together, right? Yep. I agree. I agree. So Town one, Spezia nil. Uh, another one of the uh, You Better Know 11 guys that are going to, that, that's probably uh, a lock now is Pasquale Mazzocchi, and he scores in the 48th minute. Um Boy, he would look good on a lot of teams right now. Uh, <laughs> Town, good luck keeping him. Yeah. Uh, a, the return of Berlusconi and Galliani to the San Siro. Milan hosting Monza. Uh, Pioli rotates the squad, and Brahim Diaz opens the scoring uh, from uh, Ciprian Tatrasanu. Not Tatraciano, Tatrasanu. <laughs> Uh, making it 1-0, Brian Diaz. That is a goal of the week candidate. Brian Diaz would score again in the 41st, assisted by Divac Origi. Diaz is playing like he wants to keep his job. Um, 65th minute, Divac Origi, making it 3-1. And then in the 70th minute, uh, Filippo Ranocchia. Because I saw when, I saw it was Ranocchia on the score sheet. I had to do it like a double take, and I say, wait, Andre, Andre Ranocchia takes takes free kicks? Yeah, I know. But no, it's, it's Filippo. Um, his brother, older brother, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Rafael Leal came into this game in the 60th minute. I'm not sure what the motivation was for Pioli to need to play him in this game, but nonetheless, uh, Leal from Teo, a uh, very familiar combination in Milan and the 84th to win it four goals to one. I, 
pretty back and forth game really between Milan and Monza. Yeah. Uh, possession was relatively even. Monza fired off a lot of shots. Uh, Tatrasanu uh, it saves. performed really well. Tomori yeah. performed well. Uh, you know, got some contributions from some other players. Um, Pobega coming in as a spot start over Tonali. So uh, Milan going on and winning there. Getting into Sunday, uh, if you woke up early, you were treated to a good one. Uh, Udinese and Torino got together combined for 28 shots. Uh, Torino would win the match uh, by two goals to one. Uh, We have goals here uh, from Ola Aina. A nice little team goal as uh, Alexi Moranchuk found him wide open. And then in the 26th minute, some good pressing from Udinese, uh, in particular by Destiny Udoji who finds Gerard Delefeu in the 26th minute. And then it is Pietro Pellegri in the 69th, uh, giving Torino the lead. Um, and uh, Udinese looked, had chance after chance to try to get back into this thing, just couldn't quite uh, level the scoring. So a loss and a setback for them. Uh, Bologna beat Lecce by two goals to nil. That man, Marco Arnautovic, again on a penalty, has to be said. I thought that penalty was soft. Um, Lecce player is just trying to come around to the ball. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think he made a whole lot of contact there, but nonetheless, um, Lewis Ferguson uh, scoring the second goal. Yeah, we don't know him either. Um, <laughs> a, a midfielder actually played pretty well in this game. We should yeah. probably do a well. He was all right. I mean, um, we wouldn't know a whole lot about him if he didn't score. So, yeah. uh, but. Uh, Monday's games, we had uh, Cremonese hosting Sampdoria. Like I said earlier, Cremonese had 21 shots in this game. Sampdoria win by one goal to nil. Coley getting the goal there. Uh, And then Sassuolo against Hellas Verona. Um, A 2-1 win for Sassuolo, although Sassuolo decided to start this game about 10 minutes late or something like that because Verona completely caught them napping. A Federico Ceccarini... Come on, that was a cross checking. Don't act like you were shooting that because it just went past everybody and it rolled into the net. <laughs> One goal to nil. And then how about Armand O'Lorient? Lorient, that's, this is another guy that's going to be in this uh, You Better Know 11. Yeah. Uh, oh, just yeah. stepping in big time. Uh, I don't even know where they found I'm going to have to do some homework on where they found this guy. Um, 32nd minute, goal of the week candidate. Brilliant individual effort after being fed by Obiang. And then Davide Fratese, who I believe was a past You Better Know 11 player. Sure was. Uh, scoring in the 74th minute uh, from Hamed Jr. Traore uh, to make it 2-1. Richard. Seven games there. Which one do you want to which which one do you want to dissect first? I'm gonna well, I'm gonna give a shout out first to someone who deserves it. Um, that is Frank Ribéry retiring from the sport of Calcio, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a knee injury from the first game of the season. He's done. Just recovery is not going to happen. He's just he's beaten. He's had a long, stellar career. Uh, and the the crowd at Salernitana gave him a fantastic swan song or whatever you want to call it, farewell. Um, Bayern's been doing it. Uh, obviously, he was there for a long time. Uh, French Football Federation is doing it as well. I mean, he's he's an iconic player. Obviously, not just because of the look, but his talent, his skill. Right, you know, being on that team with with uh, Zidane winning the World Cup, this young guy, and then emerging, he was this talent who could have had all this potential, and then he became this guy who kind of led Bayern for many years. Him and Robin, um, 
fantastic player. He's going to be missed, obviously. Uh, we saw some good things. His brief cameos in Serie A with mostly with Fiorentina and then also now with Salernitana last year. Um, yeah, it's just uh, sad to see him go. It's, it's through injury, not on his terms, but uh, what a fantastic player to see. Uh, I'm glad I got to see, got to watch a lot of him because he was, he was fun to watch for sure. Yep. Yeah, great career for him. Long-standing career and in, in, in a privilege to have gotten him in the twilight of his career in Serie A playing for Fiorentina and Salernitana. So uh, so definitely agree with you there. Um, I want to talk about, I mean, okay, with, 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 the, with the problems that Juventus have had, um, you know, we just saw two goals from Rabio and we saw one goal from McKinney. And I think that this is the product of opportunity for players who get into those positions for Juventus because with what they're doing formation-wise under Allegri, with Kostic being there as a wing back, with Quadrado being able to play as a right wing back, I mean, that's just crosses galore coming in. And that's mm-hmm. that's 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 traditional and classic flank play. And so who's who's going to make the first runs in the box? Well, it's going to be the two forwards. It's going to be Vlaovic and it's going to be Kin, or it's going to be Milik and Kin. And clearly the emphasis is going to be on covering those runs when they make them. Now you have McKinney, who has always been a dangerous in-the-box guy. Rabio has been a dangerous in-the-box guy. And I think this opens up for both of them to continue to get themselves in position to score goals. We saw McKenney do it here in, in Champions League today against Benfica. So I think those roles get very, very interesting and it's something worth watching going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, you saw it firsthand when Kostic played as a left wing back at Eintracht Frankfurt and midfielders had to be able to feast. I mean, guys like, I mean, obviously when Andre Silva was playing there, he was scoring a lot of goals on on the end of those crosses. But when they, when they, when they went, then when they were man marking Andre Silva, here comes Daichi Kamada. I mean, it's kind of, you're kind of seeing the same thing. You're kind of seeing in how Juve does attack when they go forward. You're kind of see them copycatting what Frankfurt did when Kostic was there. Are you seeing a little bit of that too? Because I think that this emphasizes a little more importance. And I think that McKinney and Rabio could potentially have a chance to take advantage and get some pretty high goal totals for what their role is. Yeah, and I think this would work, unfortunately for Juve, it's maybe only only tournament they're in, but uh, Serie A, this works in Serie A, it works on a team against like uh, an Empoli. You got guys like McKenney, who is a serial poacher in the box, where he'll make that run with a third guy into the box. He's excellent on headers. Rabiot is also excellent on headers. So there's opportunity for them, like you said. And when you got a guy like Kostic who can get it into the box, those two guys can get up there and get their head on the ball uh, and they, they absolutely should be. There's a chance for them to take their opportunities. Now, are, should they be starting the midfield all the time of Locatelli, Rabio, and uh, McKenny? Probably not. But hmm. you know, having two of them on at the same time, that can work. Um, it's it's a situation with Kostic where even with Quadrado on their side, they are playing a lot more flank passes in the, into the box. Um, that's why I also was harping on Moise Kane to get more opportunity because he can make those runs like he did when Kostic found him for the first goal. Made that nice run uh, that that predicted the pass that coaches came in. Kostic found him and he tapped it in. Um, and having guys like McKinney who can come on, run into the box, or Rob Yo doing his thing, you're going to get some goals that way. 
Um, yep. It's not going to be a long-term success by any stretch, but when you need goals, that's an excellent option to have, especially when you guys guys who can swing into the ball, into the box like the uh, like Kostic and Quadrado and some of these guys can. So um, absolutely, and just wait till Chiesa comes back. You have another option there. Um, so yeah, it's an opportunity. It's not the solution. Sure, sure. I mean, but it's 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 one way of doing things here for Juve Juve going forward. So that's that's one thing that I definitely thought was was an interesting observation that I saw from here. Um, I think the other things that I want to look at, uh, I think there's a better identity with Sampdoria. That was another talking point that I yeah, wanted to have yeah. here under Stankovic. I they think wouldn't have won playing, that without uh, Stankovic. What's that? They wouldn't have won it if before Stankovic. Yeah. I think there's a toughness now to this Sampdoria team that's starting to show up. Um, but we... Kind of funny. You got to come to the city. I sit down for the Calcio because didn't we say this when Stankovic got appointed? He said you're going to see a toughness. Yeah. The the the, the Savannah's Vezda teams played tough. Mm-hmm. They may not have been the most talented when you had, you know, when they had to go and play other teams in Europe, but they gave you a fight for 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I think you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see this be a a Grinta team. You know, Stankovic is not a passion merchant in the way of a Simeone or a Conte, but he's going to have them putting the ball down and playing some football too at the same time. But I think that this ended up being a very smart hire by Ferrero. And uh, I think that the the benefits are, are known right now. They're still trying to get out of this. But through a couple of games here, having a chance to – you know, play Roma to a one nil defeat and then find a way to win this game against Cremonese. I think that I think that Sampdoria is a team that we probably don't have to worry about for the drop as long as they keep this up. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes with these teams, the new manager mystique wears off. But you hope with at least Sampdoria it can last them through the season and whether Stank I mean obviously if they finish the season and they end up, you know, above fifteenth place, it'll probably get another it'll continue on next year. But uh I think they can figure this out. There's enough good players on this team, and if they play the way Stankovic wants them to play, they're going to get results. There's enough bad teams in this league that they can nick some results. I mean, Cremonese, someone who should easily get over. Hellas seems like a team that you can easily, not easily, but you should win against. Uh, Lecce is another another team. Spezia and Monza were still uncertain, right? They played better lately, yep. uh, but it's another team that you could probably nick some points off of. So, yeah, there's some teams there that they should be uh, ahead of, and long as they continue in this progression, they should be fine. So hopefully they do. I, I think that they will get past Lecce and Spezia. Um, I don't want to put them past Monza because I think Monza will stay up. I, I predicted at the beginning of the season, so I don't want to quite do that. And I think Monza have Monza are talented enough. I think both Ali and uh, Hamza bring a good point that uh, Stankovic is very similar to Gattuso. Not so much a tactician, but they bring the Grinta aspect, the hard-working yep. aspect, uh, and and that worked wonders for Gattuso. Probably still does, still does at Valencia. Uh, so yeah, I mean, long as the team still buys in, they'll be fine. I think. Yeah, I agree with you. You're you're going to be in for a fight playing against Sampdoria here going forward. And I think that that's the thing that you take away from what we see with Stankovic's manager there. So, um, who's the, what, what other notes did I make here? Um, we, we talked about Lorente, uh, Bologna still, you know, under Tiago Mota, 
it hasn't been great, but I mean, at the end of the day, if they look at survive, if they if they survive, and they should, this is a game they're going to look at because coming into this, they were a point behind Lecce coming in, so to to win this was important for them. Um, I don't, you know, they they, they fought against Napoli. They had the draw against Sampdoria, uh, Juventus. They lose three 0 They had a stinker against Empoli. I mean. I still think with the talent that Bologna, I still think Bologna have a decent enough team. They got gutted yeah. in the midfield in the summer. You know, they got, I think they got gutted in a couple of defensive areas as well, but I think that this team can still come together and do something to, you know, to get themselves out of it. Um, what would you say? What do you say to Tiago Mota? I don't, the, the, that, but that's the problem. I don't think a whole lot is different with Tiago Mota as manager of Bologna. No, and what he wants to play is a possession style, you know, overwhelmed with possession and, and getting work into the box. And it doesn't have those players at the moment. Um, but he's got some good pieces there, and you got the current Capocannier leader in Arnatovic. Uh, you feed him the ball, he's gonna he's gonna get the ball in the back of the net. He's a serial poacher. Um, but there's enough little pieces there. I mean, Gary Medell's still playing. How old is he? Like 97. Yeah. Um, there, there's some little good pieces there, and and Tiago Mota just has to find ways to get little results, keep it close, feed Musa Barro and Marco Arnautovic, and you're going to get some decent results here. Whether it's drawing big teams or getting results like this, winning two nothing against Lecce, where maybe two months ago they probably would have won this game, you know, under under Mihalovic. But um, Mota has brought them something different. Now Mota is still to be determined because we saw what he did at Spezia and got and got fired from there. Um, but again, he's a little bit more talented players here at, at Bologna. So his, his overall um, ability to draw plays and, 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 and set up his team tactically should be much improved than it was against Spezia. Sure. Empoli's on 11 points. Just got smashed by Juve. Uh, next three games, host Atalanta, host Sassuolo at Napoli. Oh, Oh, oof. Hello, relegation zone again. Yeah. I mean, so uh, do we miss Andre Azzoli yet if we're an Empoli supporter? Um, I mean, they're still finding ways to win some games. They beat Bologna 1-0, like we said. But, I mean, you take a look at the stats in that game. Um, Bologna dominated possession in that game, but... Leaky enough defensively. Milan, they lose. Okay, fine. Uh, Torino, they got out a 1-1 draw. But Torino had all the possession in that game. Empoli, you know, clearly Zanetti obviously has come in here and said, our best chance is letting the other team have the ball and countering. We can't play football with any of these guys anymore. Yeah. Um, case in point, they had 58% against possession and they lost 4-0. Um, when they allow the other team to have the ball like they've had in most of these games, Milan being the outlier, the Bologna game, 1-0 win. Torino game, 1-1 draw. Monza game, 1-0 win. And do we think that this is good for Empoli to keep having to play survival mode football, or is the personnel just, you know, what do we make of them? I mean, I, just, I wanted to start talking and giving some, some, some exposure to some of these teams here at the bottom because <laughs> – <clears throat> there's quality in this team. Yes, yes, for sure. And it feels out of place for them to be playing football like this. 
It does. It, it's eerily similar to the year where they were playing. They're like, you know what? We're going to play attacking football. We don't care what the results are. And they got relegated because of that. Uh, and yep. it's getting close to that right now. And I, I like Zanetti as a manager, but um, they're playing with fire at the moment. I mean, there's a lot of talented players on this team. Uh, obviously, you have a fantastic goal in Vicario. Vicario gets to uh, work on his craft because he gets a million shots a game. And so he gets a lot of practice. That's why Provadel was so good, right? He got lots of shots when he was at Spezia. So and there's some talented players on this team. And even Destro, say what you want to say about him. He can score goals. Yeah. Um, Razvan Marin is there. He's a good player. Uh, Parisi is there. I mean, there's some, there's some talent in there. And so um, they they have to make a personnel move, I think. Uh, who's available? Who, who can they get? I don't know. But as much as Alex Zanetti, this is not going to last for long the style of play they're doing. Because um, I think you're right. The team is built for a counterattacking style. They have the players do that. And it also enables you to play more defensive. Um, I just say, and I just don't think they're built to be – I don't think the personnel is here to build is, – is built to play counterattacking football. And now they're going to play Atalanta on this weekend. But definitely can't defend. They need to do better defenders. They have the Well, pace. they're going to play Atalanta this weekend, and that's going to be a fight over who gets the ball. <laughs> Yeah. No, you yeah. you have the ball. No, well, you have the ball. That's what it's going to be. I mean, they neither team wants the ball. They both want to counter. So I, that could end up being one of two ways. That could end up being a very dull game, and there's an odd goal that decides it, or it could be. It could end up being tons of chances. So I just I I, I was liking Empoli under Andreazzoli, where they didn't care and they 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 moved the ball around. Um. They kept possession. They used guys like Bayrami. And I thought that when Marin came into this team, that that would be an added element. But then Zanetti's come in and is brought in a defensive style. And to Hamza's point, there just isn't – the players don't match yeah. what he wants to do. And then there's there's sneaking in some results here and there. But I don't think this is sustainable in the long run So for them. And I think they're a team that, while it looks flattering right now, I think they're another team that I think Sampdoria can get past. Yeah. So when we're talking about teams that they can move past, Lecce, Spezia, Empoli are three teams that I think Sampdoria can be better than can get past under Sankovic. So, yeah. Won't say Bologna quite yet, but getting pretty close. <laughs> so, um, all right. Goals of the week. Um, honorable mentions Aina and a team goal by Torino. Uh, Jovic, his equalizer at the time. Those are honorable mentions for me. Uh, number five for me, um, Kostic to Moise Kin. Juventus' first goal for, I guess, Empoli. Uh, number four, Origi's first goal. Very Balotelli-esque. Standing, boom, top top corner. Um, number three, Brahim's solo goal. It was a nice goal. It wasn't as good as the Juventus one, but it was a nice goal nonetheless. Uh, opened the score in that game. Number two, I'm going with Icone Fiorentina with a second goal. Made a 2-2 at the time. Wonderful goal by him. Wonderful assist by um, Kwame as well. And the number one is Ranocchia. His free kick goal from distance, top corner. No one's going to stop that goal, I thought. That was my number one goal. Okay. Ranocchia's honorable mention for me. Uh, I thought Lotaro's first goal and the, 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 the non-penalty is number five for me. I also think Aina's goal is, on, is an honorable mention and also give the uh, Nicola Barella goal off some nice combination play. Uh, as honorable mentions, but Latour's first goal for me go- is is five, Icone four, uh, Armand Lorient's goal is number three for me. Yeah, 
Um, Brian solo goal at number two. And for me, goal of the week, I said it earlier, Victor Ossiman. Um, just outpacing, fighting through, scoring a man's goal, burying it on the side netting. So um, that is where I'm going with goals of the week. Mm. So. And now, and it's been a few weeks, and we apologize for the inconvenience, everybody, but we are now ready for the world's most popular hashtag game. It is time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. Richard, lead us off. All right. First one was nominated to us by Apex, who's in the chat, uh, and it comes from uh, Martin V. Napolinissimo with uh, Agnelli trying to enter into the Mbappe negotiations and get thrown out. Bear with me. I got to look this up again. <laughs> Hang on. I'm sure it's funny. I got to look. Um, yeah. Okay. Nominating Nap- Napoleonismo. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, the Royal Rumble where he got thrown yep. out. Why am I, guys? My I'm not lagging. I just my my somehow my Twitter refreshed and put me on this. Oh. All right, uh, at the Real Panic FC, uh, saying I want to help you, they fans. Uh, it's a guru. <laughs> Guru with a video, <laughs> a four and a half minute video on how to control anger. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. Trying to calm them down. <laughs> Moving on. The next nomination comes from Paris. Yeah, we don't Nitch. need to watch that for four and a half minutes, do we? No, we don't. No. Uh, next one comes from Paris Nitch. It's Tamori trying to get into the England squad and getting <laughs> thrown out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, especially after the Pretty Chelsea much. performance. Okay, so at Vincenzo M1225, uh, this is uh, in response to Maxime Thierry. Welcome to the Europa League Juventus FC. And Vincenzo says, uh, no, you should be welcoming Maccabi. <laughs> well, Max Aim Thierry originally said UEFA Europa League and had the logo and everything. So it looked like the official Europa League, but it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, that's funny. Maccabi instead of Juventus. It still could happen. It still could yep. happen. All right. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> this is during the live stream of Maccabi and Juventus, since you just mentioned that. And it's Janos with the Who Wants Couch on Twitter, even though this is on live stream. And he says, uh, Max Allegri, his comments after the game against Maccabi, it was a very high-intensity game. We played well against a world-class opponent, <laughs> and we had our chances. But we were unlucky. We will work to correct the mistakes. My position is safe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, so we've got uh, at DC underscore Juventus, Allegri training methods unveiled. (laughs) (laughs) Juventus, you see, that's good. What are they doing? I don't know. I don't know. Um... I don't have a leader in this clubhouse yet. I we've got some good ones, but I don't have anybody that's no, nobody's standing out yet. Uh, let's see, let's see. <laughs> so moving on. So originally Napoli tweeted out Jesus is booked with a yellow card, and uh, I got nothing. The real panic FC says pretty sure the ref not knoweth what he has done. 
Juan Wait Jesus, a second. Where are you seeing that? I'm on. Uh... I skipped Jerry. You skipped Jerry. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's stuff we don't need to get into. Ah, okay. All right. All right. I didn't. I didn't read that one. Okay. Moving on. We've got uh, at Sarah nine seven seven eight six nine seven four Vlaovic in front of net, waiting for the assist. Quadrado with the ball. <laughs> That's pretty spot on Cuadrado right there. Leader in the clubhouse, I think. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Way to go, Sarah. All right. Uh, this one comes from uh, at Jordi at FR98. And it's uh, Finer, Michelin, Lazio, and Sturmgratz all on five points. And it's a scene from The Office. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Not bad. Yeah. Good creativity. Uh, at JP Uccello. Uh, and for the first time in history, Gazzetta has secured a rare photo of a jackass riding a zebra. <laughs> oh, nice photo. Nice photo there. Nice photo. Okay. Siri uh, memes in this one. And it's, uh, I forget what game this was, but it's a uh, <laughs> pretty putting on his glasses. And it's, oh, I don't remember what this is about. I, I remember back when I saw this, when this originally happened, but I don't remember anymore. Hmm. Uh, okay, at Napolinismo, Mbappe after the first training session in Juventus. Running away. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Alberto from All Juve Cast. Bremer is out for 20 days. Juventini thinking, all right, Gatti. And then Allegri thinking, nope, it's my man Rugani. Look at the Oh, all right. Okay, so uh, at only true Emilianisti, remember all this pain. <laughs> the banter era. Oh, when I watch the whole video, it's a good two-minute, 19 video, but uh, I'm not going to watch the whole thing. It's funny. It's true. It rings really close to Frank and I, but uh, very funny. That's there. up there, though. That is up, up there. there. It's up there. All right. Okay. Uh, Johnny uh, Rules 27, company for erectile, erectile dysfunction, dysfunction called I realize the name of the company Juventus. is Juventus. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> See, what I thought was just a normal erectile dysfunction advertisement, I realize the name of the company is, if you guys could see it, Juventus. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> so Gianni from the Couch Guys sees a sign for erectile dysfunction and the company's called Juventus, which is it's hilarious. Can't make it up. Wonderful. Uh, Wonderful. All right. Where okay, are we? let's see. Anthony, he says, uh, <laughs> it's Jerry. What do you think of the new tattoos with Wanda Nara? <laughs> Laying in bed with Wanda Nara. <laughs> nice Photoshop, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. Oh, Let's God. see. And then uh, another one from Jerry. Uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savage bossed Atalanta's <laughs> midfield. Why is he humping uh, Darun, whoever that is? <laughs> uh, is that Darun? I don't know who that is. It's one of the Atalanta guys. Uh, all, right. all right. Matteo Bonetti. It's Juventus with the one goal difference advantage over Maccabi High <laughs> Same song we just heard. Oh, uh, it's Allegri with his Dancing of the Stars. Uh, 
appearance there. So they did uh, this little. What is this? And then he just walks down and smiles. It's a dancing. It's a dancing with the stars. Okay. Yeah. I like you thinking he's the top of the world. <laughs> I nominated that. I thought that was pretty funny. And then finally, Johnny rules. We have to have it. <laughs> Juventus are out of the Champions League. I think that's just a video that just has to like circulate every year. Played every year when Juventus gets bounced from the Champions yeah. League. Now I think there's no avoiding that. Boy, we have a tough selection to pick from here, Richard. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the chat thinks. Uh, some funny, funny ones. Uh, let's see here. Um, bu- 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 bu. <laughs> the population grew to help Juve. Uh, Royal Rome one was funny too. Um, Quadrado one by Sara Juventus was good. It's pretty spot on. Quadrado. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that one. All right. Let's go with that one. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and retweet this and. Uh, if you want to say a thing or two to the people while I do that, you can. Yeah, um, I want to give a couple of shout outs here. First, uh, I mentioned him early in the podcast, Uncle Sharma. Shout out to him. Great video he just posted out uh, early this week about the pragmatism in City. Yeah, uh, definitely must watch there. It's a very interesting uh, video there. And also want to shout out Patrick Kendrick, the voice of our intro, officially finally giving us uh, the approval for his voice. Uh, so thank you, Patrick, for that. And keep doing what you do. You're awesome. But go watch his videos, too, on YouTube. He does some excellent videos. People have been asking them, you know, what does uh, an announcer do, a broadcaster do, you know, day of the game and all that stuff. People think broadcasting is easy. Podcast isn't necessarily easy, but broadcasting is even harder. You have to know your shit. And Patrick has a great video on YouTube, on his YouTube, about what he does in a day and all the notes that he has. Uh, uh, I've been fortunate to, to talk to many broadcasters, and they all have these cheat sheets with scr- chicken scratch all over because there's so many things going on. Patrick's a little bit more organized, but um, great video, great follow nonetheless. So shout out to them. Yeah, excellent. All right. Um, and I think with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of City A Sit Down. Oh, I'm like the Royal Rumble one. Oh, it's all right. Um, anyway, uh, we'll put a bow on this edition of City A Sit Down. Uh, you can find me at FTC underscore 21. You can find Richard at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N, as you can see on our screens here. City A Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever there's podcasts. There is City I'll Sit Down. I would be remiss if I did not uh, include the uh, handle of our vacationing member of City I'll Sit Down, uh, Alex Dono, at Alex Dono, all one word, A-L-E-X-D-O-N-N-O. Uh, so he will be back with us. I presume he'll be back with us next Tuesday. He's not taking that long a vacation, is he? Who knows? Wanda, we got to look back at the contract we signed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we got to go back and look at the fine print, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, at City I Sit Down, Twitter, Instagram. We're also on Facebook. Uh, check us out there. Uh, there is a website in the works, Richard. That's what I hear. That's yeah. what I hear. Okay. Uh, we might be having our own website once we get that all uh, uh, tidied up. <clears throat> and ready for the launch we'll let you know where to go for that so um we will be back uh next tuesday night richard yeah 
Tuesday or Sunday, either way. I'm, I'm okay, we got to just we got to we got to see what the third man schedule is, and yep. uh, uh, this way it's we not just us anymore. It's not just us. It's anymore. not just us anymore. Yeah, we get we we signed him. We got to get him in on it now. So <laughs> more work for us. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So on behalf of Alex and for Richard, I'm Frank. As always, thank you for listening. Chat, awesome stuff. Great to uh, have you guys uh, chiming in and giving your uh, two cents. Um, Also, I should, before we sign off, uh, if you like what you saw here, please drop a like. If you uh, uh, want to know more, please subscribe. Uh, Hit the notification bell. You'll always be notified when a new video drops uh, or when we are going live with this podcast. Uh, So please do that as well. It helps us out big time. So for Richard, I'm Frank. And on behalf of Alex, thank you. And be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.